Good evening, everybody. Get this over here so you can hear me. How's everybody doing tonight? You know, one of your goals when you come to church is to always make sure you don't fall asleep. I'm glad I'm preaching tonight because I might be tempted to fall asleep. I'm a little tired at the moment. Uh, I got up, uh, actually went to bed about midnight last night, got up at five this morning to catch a plane in Chicago to come here to Los Angeles. And then I got to Los Angeles and Devon picked me up and he said, I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to take you somewhere, someplace you've never seen before. So he took me to Sprinkles with the ATM cupcake thing where you put your card in there and then the cupcake comes out like an ATM machine. Have you heard about that? It's brand new, I think, the last two or three days. So I had a chocolate coconut cupcake. I'm not sure it was worth $4. Uh, And then I had dinner over at Jack and Bridget Goldberg's house. Of course, whenever you go to Jack and Bridget Goldberg, you know it's not hot dogs and macaroni and cheese. Shrimp scampi. Uh, asparagus, bread, and salad. I know you're all envious right now. Stop sinning. And it's 6.30 right now here, but it's 8.30 back in Chicago, which is almost my bedtime. Not quite. So I'm a little bit tired, so I'm glad I'm preaching, but do me a favor. Stay awake. Hopefully the things that I'm going to share with you tonight will be helpful to your faith. It's always good to be here in Los Angeles. Uh, I love the church here very, very much. We were blessed to be here from 95 to 97 and get to know some great people. You know, we're only here for two years, but in the kingdom of God, when you invest yourself in people's lives for two years, you develop these amazing relationships that will last not just for this life, but will last into eternity. And we have so many wonderful memories here, and uh, it's just a great blessing to be back here. I haven't been back to L.A. in, I think, four or five years. I actually uh, spoke a few times from about 2005 to 2008, uh, while I was disabled. I was able to come out here for a few times, and I'm no longer disabled, and I'll share a little bit about that later on in my lesson. But last time I was here, I had very little energy, about 25% of my normal energy capacity, and I couldn't stand up without falling, so I had to hold on to something. I'm glad that uh, I don't have to hold on to anything tonight, uh, because I think I would smash this music stand here. You know, I'm not sure where you're at tonight spiritually, but maybe that's good. I'm an outside guest speaker, so I don't know where you're at. I'm just going to fire away, and you let it land somewhere in your heart. Amen? <laughs> We're going to talk about releasing the oppressed. You're doing a series on Jesus entitled Unroll the Scroll, and the title that I've been given is Release the Oppressed. What does oppressed mean? It means to be burdened with restraints. To be weighed down, to be wearied, to be hopeless in the midst of an unpleasant condition that saddens and discourages you. Are you there? I'm thinking if we were honest, we would have to admit we find ourselves there a lot. And maybe it's temporarily, but we often find ourselves feeling a little bit of oppression. You know, life, if we're honest, can be hard at times. Now, sometimes that oppressive feeling is because of our own sin. And we have to admit that. I've messed up, and I'm feeling oppressed. Sometimes that oppression is not our own doing. It's because of circumstances, unfortunate circumstances, and perhaps other people sinning against us. And sometimes it's a combination of the two. 
Either way, it's pretty challenging when you're feeling oppressed. But every time you find yourself feeling just a little bit oppressed, you can count on this. The devil is very close. And he's gloating. The evil forces are not make-believe. Like their leader, Satan, they are very real, and they're looking to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what the Bible says. Jesus is looking to give us the full life, right, John 10, but the thief, Satan, and his evil forces are looking to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's very, very real. We feel it in a very, very intense, powerful way at times. Again, sometimes it's short-lived. Sometimes that oppression may last a day. It may last a weekend. It may last a couple of weeks. But it's still oppression. We need to figure out how to get released from that oppression. Sometimes it's much longer than that. It can turn into months, perhaps even years. And, boy, we really need to be released from that oppression. It manifests itself in a variety of ways. Let me just share some of those ways that people end up feeling and being very oppressed. Addictions, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, gambling addiction, eating addictions, sex addictions, pornography, All kinds of addictions are out there. And Satan's like, yeah, go for it. You'll love it. And in the moment, those feel good, but they sure end up hurting you in the long run, and they can make you feel incredibly oppressed. And then we have to deal with deep heart issues, things like bitterness. You know, if you're a bitter person, you're in oppression. Perhaps you you have an inability to forgive people. If you can't forgive people, you're oppressed, and you need Jesus to release you from that oppression. Maybe it's jealousy or envy or insecurity. Perhaps you have a very low self-esteem. Maybe it's a lack of joy or some kind of depression. You're burdened by your recent past or perhaps you're burdened by your distant past. Or it could be marriage issues. You know, marriage has a way of making husband and wife feel a little bit oppressed. When you just can't get along. I know you can't relate to that. You just can't get along. There's nothing worse then having a major bump and you're married and you can't get out of that bump, that's oppression. Maybe it's parenting challenges. Maybe it's financial woes. Dating dilemmas. School dilemmas. School challenges. Relationship challenges. Things you just can't seem to shake. You feel stuck. You feel trapped. You've tried everything you know to do. Even God. You feel like you've tried God and it's still not working you still feel very oppressed. If any change comes your way, it's only short-lived. And then you're right back into the oppression. What are you feeling oppressed by this evening? I think we all have something that we're feeling oppressed by. And the good news is Jesus came to release you from that. Let's be reminded of the theme passage for Unroll the Scroll. Look at Luke chapter 4 and verse 14. Let's read it again to be reminded that regardless of what kind of oppression you're feeling right now, whether that's just the last few days, the last few months, the last few years, it doesn't really matter. Jesus is going to give you an amazing promise here in Luke chapter 4, and you need to cling to that promise. And you need to listen to some of the things we talked about here tonight, because if you do, you will learn some keys to being released from that oppression. Luke 4, verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up 
to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He said, It's a done deal. I'm here. I'm the answer to all your problems. If you are feeling oppressed, I've come to tell you I'm going to release you from your oppression. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The promise still remains, brothers and sisters. Jesus can still fix it. After a while, maybe, but he can still fix it. Let's think about and consider from a few pictures where you might be at this morning in your life or especially your spiritual life. Okay, We're going to show a picture here of Perhaps the worst-case scenario, because I want to paint a picture of a, a worst-case scenario. If, if you were going to describe your spiritual life as a house, that is not how you would want to describe it right there. But perhaps that's where some of you are at. Your foundation is rotten. That thing is about to fall apart. There's nothing good about that house. Maybe you are feeling that way. You know what? Jesus wants to release you from that oppression. He wants to take you from that to this. Jesus can fix it, right? That house that maybe you're living in right now, you don't have to live in that any longer. If you're willing to listen and follow what Jesus is going to tell you to do to be released from your oppression, you can actually end up living there. Or perhaps your condition is a little bit like this. On your spiritual road, There's all kinds of potholes. And life is just one bump after the other. Sometimes we feel that way, don't we? Well, if that's where you're at right now, don't fear. Don't worry. Jesus can fix that too. And he can take you from that to that. I like that. I have no idea where that is, but I want to be driving on that one. I want to be walking on that road. Jesus can fix that. Or perhaps, I knew that would get a response. That is just what we would call nasty. No, that is not taken from one of the Campus Brothers' apartments. Just want to make sure you knew that. If that describes your life in any way, Get out of there because it's smelly. It's bad. Nobody wants to be in it. It's disease-ridden. Stay away from there and let that become this. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's still a bathroom, right? But it's a lot better bathroom than the other bathroom. Or perhaps this describes your life. Again, that could be a Campus Brothers car. Sorry to pick on the campus, brothers. Perhaps you're thinking, you know, I just, I try to go, I try to make progress, but I don't get very far at all. A lot of times I try to start up the engine, it doesn't even start. 
I try to get my life going in the morning, but I just don't feel right, and I don't get far at all, and I'm frustrated. Perhaps that's where you're at tonight. Never fear. Jesus can fix that, too. Yeah, he can take you there. Now, I know that car does not belong to a campus, brother. I know that for sure. Or perhaps your condition is a little bit like this. Some of the young people are going, what is that? Maybe you're feeling old and outdated. My life is just going nowhere. It's just old. It's outdated. Never fear. Jesus can fix that, too. can take you from that to that's brand new. You know what that is? That's, that's iPad 3. So I just thought iPad 2 came out a few months ago. It did. They're stealing our money. You know, they're taking our money. Pretty soon iPad 4 will be out, right? Or maybe you're thinking this is what describes your life. I'm just kind of rotten. I'm diseased. I just, I'm, I'm not useful. I'm not useful for anything. Here's something that should be useful, but it didn't get much attention. Something happened. Nobody was paying attention to that. But Jesus can fix that, too, and he can take you from that to that. Now, that's useful. Or maybe you're feeling like this. That is called marriage oppression right there. And don't tell me you haven't had some of those scenarios in your life. We've all had them, right? Just go ahead and admit it, Marys. You've had that kind of relationship from time to time. Now, if that lasts too long, that's bad news. But we want to take you from their marriage to this this place. Oh, yeah, and that's just a happy place. We want to bring you to your happy place. Jesus can fix your marriage. It's true. A lot of times people think, my marriage is so unfixable. Why do you think so many people get divorced? Because they give up believing that something can turn around their rotten marriage. I'm telling you, Jesus can fix any marriage. doesn't matter how rotten it is. And he's been doing it for a long, long time. Or perhaps this is how you feel. Barren. And God wants to take you from there to here. Where are you at today? I'm guessing most of us are somewhere in between those two extremes, right? But perhaps you're at one of those extremes, the negative extremes. You're in the best place possible to be right now. Because we're going to talk about being released from oppression. How in the world do you get there? How do you go from that bad spot to that good spot? Well, I want to share a few keys with you tonight. And these apply regardless of whether you're feeling slightly oppressed, somewhat oppressed, mostly oppressed, or completely oppressed. It doesn't matter. These will work if you put these things into practice. i got three keys for you tonight. And I'm going to begin by stating the obvious. This could have been a point, but I'm not going to make it a point because it's so obvious. I don't think it should be a point. you got to admit that you're oppressed. You know, in Chicago... People are really into image. Not sure if that's an issue in Los Angeles or not. Is it? It's been a while since I've been here, but uh, is image an issue in Los Angeles? Oh, okay. Yeah, I knew that. It's worse. Yeah, it's worse in Chicago. We get it a few months after L.A. gets it. It's, it's bad, right? 
But this is one of the biggest problems that we face in being released from our oppression. We don't want to admit that we're feeling oppressed. We hide where we're really at. We hide the fact that we're struggling with drinking or drugs or or pornography. We hide the fact that our marriage is going downhill. We hide the fact that we're having a hard time forgiving people of things that they've done to us. And we, we come across like we're all together. We are not all together. And if you want to be released from your oppression, you first and foremost got to be got to be honest about it and say, I need help. I'm feeling a bit oppressed. So let me give you the three keys now that we've got that out of the way. Okay, because if you're not willing to do that, you're really in the wrong place. Church will be no good for you if you can't be honest. Church should be the place where we can be the most honest, right? Because we all admit we're just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's, that's who we are when you get right down to it, right? Nobody's that awesome. Nobody's that wonderful. Let's just all admit it. So if we can all admit that, that we have some oppression in our life, and we need Jesus to fix that oppression, we're going to make some progress. Point number one, if you're going to be released from your oppression, you will need possible thinking. Luke chapter 1. No, I didn't misspeak there. I didn't say positive thinking. You will need possible thinking. Luke chapter 1. In verse 26, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? That's a very good question. Maybe you're asking a similar question. My life is a total mess. I'm in oppression all the time. I've tried to be released, but I've never been able to be released. I don't think it can happen. And God comes to you and he says, oh, no, we're going to release you from your oppression. We're going to change your marriage. We're going to change your life dramatically. And your response might be similar to what Mary said. How can this be? Sometimes we're there, right? We just need to admit that. We are there. Sometimes we think God can do great things for other people. But we have a hard time believing that God can do great things in our life. Don't you find that to be true in your life? And so the answer is in verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, strange things begin to happen. Things that you've never been able to do before, all of a sudden you'll be able to do them with the aid of the Holy Spirit. You won't be able to do them by yourself. But if you get the Holy Spirit involved in your life, then all of a sudden you can make some changes. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And Jesus says that again in Luke 18. When the disciples are struggling with, hey, who can be saved? If this rich young ruler can't be saved, who can be saved? And Jesus says, with man, this is impossible, right? But with God, what? All things are possible. Nothing is impossible with God. I wonder, have you moved anything 
into in your life into the impossible category. I'm telling you, you need to move it back into the possible category. Because my Bible reads, all things are possible. For Mary to have a child while she's a virgin, that's impossible. That's impossible with man, but that is not a big deal at all with God. Yes, your challenges you're facing right now, your oppression may be deep. It may be discouraging. And it may be impossible for you to fix, but it's not it's not very hard for God to fix because God is in the business of releasing the oppressed. He's been in the all things possible business a long, long time. He's still at it. Everything starts here. You've got to believe that Jesus can release you from your oppression. He has the power to fix you. You know what? All good counseling begins right here. Even dealing with deep and long-term issues with clients. A good counselor will begin here, and he will ask, Do you believe you can change? And he's looking for that answer, yes. If he can't find that answer, he'll work with those people for a little while. But eventually, they've got to get to the point where they say, Yes, I believe. I don't know how it's going to happen, but somehow I'm finding belief that this can really turn around. This situation that I'm in, this oppression that I'm in, it can turn around. Then the counselor can do amazing things with those patients. But can't do anything unless they believe. I believe the same is true with God. But until you begin to believe in the possible, not much is going to change in your life. And you've got to believe it despite the evidence. Despite your past failures, you've got to believe that all things are possible. God has never had a problem with things that have never been done before. He created the world. That had never been done before. And he did it. Didn't look like it took too much effort for him to do it either. He was even resting along the way. The, the Red Sea had never parted before. It's not a big deal to God. He, he parted it. It had never been done before. The sun had never stopped going down for an entire day before. He did that too. He brought manna to the desert. That had never been done before. He made a cloud and a pillar of fire lead the Israelites all through the desert for 40 years. That had never happened before. It's not a big deal to God. If you want to be released from your oppression, you must begin with possible thinking. Number two, you will need pictures. You know what? There's plenty of pictures available. Go to Luke chapter 19 and verse 1. We'll get there in just a moment. Not only are there plenty of pictures available, but there's an entire photo album of Jesus fixing people for a number of years. Jesus didn't just say he could release the oppressed. He actually did it on a regular basis. What once seemed impossible was all of a sudden very possible when Jesus dropped by. Was there any predicament that Jesus couldn't deal with? I find none. Was there any oppression that he couldn't counter with a release? I find none. All of this is recorded in the Gospels. There's snapshot after snapshot of people being released from their oppression. And it's all to make a point. If Jesus is close by, there's hope for you. 
whatever your oppression is, if Jesus is near you and you're willing to follow his directions, you're, you're going to be able to be released from your oppression. It didn't matter what Jesus faced. He had power over everything. It was a weather issue. Well, let's calm the storm. There's not enough food for 10,000 or so people. Yeah, there's not enough food. We've got a few loaves and a few fish. That's no problem. Let's feed them all. Somebody's got leprosy. No big deal. Let's cure them of the leprosy. Somebody's blind. Let's take away their blindness. Somebody's paralyzed. Let's make them walk again. Somebody's got a disease. Let's cure it on the spot. Somebody's demon possessed. Let's cast them out. Somebody's dead for four days. Let's wake him up. What's the big deal? You, You need these pictures because you forget how powerful Jesus Christ is. And if you're not in your Bible looking at these pictures over and over again, you're not going to believe. But if you're reading your Bible and you're seeing Jesus release the oppressed over and over again, all of a sudden you're going to go, maybe he can do that for me. And it will start with maybe, and then it will turn into he's going to do it for me. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. You've got to be digging in the Word of God and see what Jesus can do. If Jesus can change all those things, Don't you think he can release you from your oppression? Look at the pictures. Look at them again and again. Put that album on your coffee table, by your bedside, wherever you need to put it, and read those passages. Look at those pictures over and over again. But I believe the most amazing pictures are those of human beings stuck in the cycle of sin and changing. And one of the greatest pictures of this happening is in Luke 19, verse 1, the picture of Jesus helping Zacchaeus out of his oppression. Now, we're going to meet Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector. He's a bad dude. He's not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. You know what that means? He trains people to steal. He's got deep issues. He's deeply oppressed. He's what I would say is is messed up. He's in the inner cell of oppression, full of deceit, probably full of guilt, empty, lonely, shallow, hated by most people, probably even by his own family. Very few, if any, real relationships, perhaps tempted to drink his sorrows away or to find some addiction that will take away some of the pain he's feeling. That's who Jesus is about to meet. Let's see what happens. Luke 19, verse 1. Again, this is one of those pictures. You've got to keep this in your mind. You might be a lot like Zacchaeus. That's bad on one hand, but it's good on the other hand if Jesus is nearby. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, I don't know what happened here. I don't know how long Jesus and Zacchaeus spent time together. But something amazing is about to happen. Verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up. And said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. 
Do you think he'd ever said that before? (laughs) Are you kidding me? He is saying something and about to do something he's never done before. Don't you think you can do the same thing too? And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, and what are the chances of that? 100%, right? He's cheated a lot of people out of a lot of things. If I've done that, I will pay back four times the amount. I think he did that. I think he went back door to door and talked to people that he knew he had ripped off. And he gave them back four times the amount. If he did that, if he gave his possessions, half of his possessions to the poor, and he paid back four times the amount to the people he had ripped off, he went from upper, upper middle class to perhaps lower class. That's a radical transformation of heart. Again, we don't have the whole story. We just have a little picture here. But something amazing happened. Zacchaeus changed. What does that tell you? You can change too. You're no different than Zacchaeus. Your issues are no different. You might be oppressed, but Jesus can fix your oppression in the same way that he was able to fix Zacchaeus. You've got to have those pictures. You're going to need possible thinking and you will need pictures. And finally, number three, you will need persistence. Oftentimes, deep character issues take a little while to change. Have you noticed that? Long-standing sins seem to take a little while to totally get over. Certainly, addictions take a lot of time and energy to overcome. Take time to root out that junk that's in there. If that's the case, I say start digging. If you've got to root some junk out of your life, you better start digging now. One day, you will throw off your last shovel full of dirt if you're willing to be persistent. If you keep applying biblical principles to your struggle, I believe you will be released. The principles of prayer that are talked about in Luke 18. Always pray and don't give up. Keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. And God will bring about justice. He'll release you from your oppression. The principle of finding faith from the scriptures as we've already talked about. The principle, the biblical principle, the godly principle of allowing other people into your oppression. Not to say, hey, join me in my oppression. But to say, hey, I'm oppressed. Can you help me to overcome my oppression? We're going to have to have that or we're never going to be fully released from our oppression. That's real discipling. And we, we have abundant proof of that in the Scriptures as well, that if you are willing to be persistent and willing to make changes over and over again, and you're looking at the pictures and you're praying and you're getting people to be involved in your life, you will change eventually. Luke chapter 9, let's read here about the Apostle John. We think of John as this amazing Apostle of love, right? Oh, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John are so wonderful. It's all about love, baby. It's all about love. And we get that from the Apostle John. Aren't you so glad the Apostle John was around? Well, that's 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. When he was in his 1st, 2nd, 3rd year with Jesus, he wasn't that way. Let's, let's read a little bit about John and what he was up to. Luke 9, verse 46, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. What? They're actually debating which would be the greatest. Now, that's messed up. That's oppression right there, where you're so into yourself that all you can think about is 
Who's the greatest? You're, you're really messed up. You need Jesus to fix that. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside them. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For he who is least among you all, he is the greatest. See, John wasn't where he needed to be. This isn't the John we read about in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. This is the John at the beginning of his time with Jesus Christ who was really messed up and needed some help. He needed Jesus to fix him and release him from his oppression. And then right after that, look in verse 49. Master said, John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Sounds a little bit exclusive, right? First of all, he's trying to figure out who's the greatest. And then he's like, just a little bit later, he's like, hey, let's get rid of these people because they're not one of us. He's got a ways to go, right? Sound like you? Sounds like me. I still got a ways to go in my growth as a Christian. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. And then right away in verse 51, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. And you would think, by now, oh, yes, John's going to have it. Jesus has talked to him a couple of times. Certainly he's fixed by now. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? He's got a ways to go, right? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. You still don't get it, John. But you're still here, so we're going to fix you eventually. And they went to another village. And then over in Luke chapter 22, probably a year or two later, Luke 22 and verse 24, they've got it by now, right? After a year or two with Jesus, Jesus constantly telling them, you're oppressed. Let me release you from that. We read once again in Luke 22, verse 24, also a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. What? I thought that was back in Luke 9. Well, yeah. Come on. Let's not be too hard on John. How many times have you been called to repent of something, and then the next week you're needing to be called to repent of that same thing? And then the following year you're still struggling with that something. It's got you again. Don't fret. Keep persevering. Keep persisting. Eventually, you're going to root that stuff out. If you hang out with Jesus long enough, you're going to get rid of some of that stuff that works to oppress you and make your life miserable. Peter was the same way. He wasn't that great. But spending time with Jesus, he sure changed, didn't he? What's the issue? Don't quit. Don't quit. Eventually, these men and others got released from their oppression. And I believe so can you if you're willing to keep at it. Are you willing to keep at it? You start with possible thinking. Right? You get it up here. Yes, yes, yes. This can change. And then you look at the pictures and you see proof that, wow, Jesus can fix anything. And then you make a decision, I don't care how long it takes me, I'm going to keep at this thing. I'm going to keep reading my Bible. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep getting discipled. And eventually I'm going to root out this stuff that's causing me to feel so oppressed. If you're willing to do those three basic things, you are well on your way to changing your life. And well on your way to having Jesus fix you after a while. Let me close my lesson 
by sharing a little personal story. Eight years ago, almost to the day, I became disabled. My life was messed up. I was healthy, and all of a sudden, I was unhealthy. I had about 25% of my normal energy, and I couldn't balance myself. I I couldn't walk normal. I, I was messed up. I'm like, what's going on here? I went to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor. I went to the Mayo Clinic. Go to the top, baby. And they told me it was in my head. That I wasn't really sick because they couldn't find anything on their tests that really indicated why I was feeling the way I was feeling. They were looking in the wrong spot. This went on for four and a half years. I would go to doctor after doctor. It was so discouraging. Not knowing for sure why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And I remember sitting on the edge of my bed one night, crying. And I was so ready to give up. I don't want to go back to the doctor because they're going to tell me things that aren't true. And no doctor has fixed me yet, so I'm not going back there. And then I said, God, I'm going to do it one more time. Just one more time. And at the same time I was praying that, I didn't even know what that meant. I said, I'm going to find some other doctor. I put my hand on my chest. And I thought, wait a minute. I wonder if the birth defect that I had that never had caused me problems before... I wonder if that might have anything to do with it. I had a very severe case of what's called pectus excavatum, a severely depressed chest cavity. It never really bothered me before, but I didn't realize how severe it was. Doctor said I had the second most severe case they'd ever seen. And usually if you have a severe case like that, you get operated on when you're a teenager. I knew nothing about that. And I didn't know that as you get older, it gets worse and worse and worse. And basically, you slowly die because your lungs get compressed and you don't have the oxygen level that you need for your brain. Your heart gets squished, so you don't get the blood flow to your brain that you need. I didn't know that, but I said, you know what? I don't know if this would work. I actually was thinking, this isn't it, but hey, it's a shot in the dark. Let's try it. I got one more opportunity. So I I found an expert in this field who just so happened to be in Chicago, who just so happened to work at the hospital that my wife was working at. And I went in there thinking, he's going to tell me I'm nuts. Kurt, you've had this thing for your whole life. What are you coming to me for? Within two minutes, he told me I needed surgery, that he was almost certain that this was the problem. And for the next year and a half, after two intense surgeries to totally reconstruct my chest, to rearrange everything in my chest. Here I am. I'm no longer oppressed. For four and a half years, I was in deep oppression, physically. Nobody could figure it out. I said one more time. Give it one more shot, Kurt. Go to one more doctor. What am I saying to you tonight? If you're ready to give up, don't. Why don't you go to one more doctor? Why don't you go to the great physician? Why don't you step into Jesus' office? I think he's going to fix you. He's going to release you from your oppression. 
He's going to tell you to think all things are possible. He's going to show you pictures of his past patients who have recovered. And he's going to tell you to start the process that day and not stop until you get released. He'll tell you to pray, read, invite others into your struggle. He'll tell you this may require surgery. I'm going to almost tell you, yeah, I'm going to guarantee it's going to involve pain. And there's going to be some therapy. But if you're willing to do it, you will be released from your oppression. Jesus can fix it. If he wants to fix it after a while, he can. If he wants to fix it on the spot, he can. It doesn't really matter to me. I just want Jesus to fix me. Whatever oppression I'm in, again, whether it's short-term or long-term, it doesn't really matter. If you're feeling oppressed, you better start thinking possible. You better look at the pictures on a regular basis, and you better be persistent. I promise you, because Jesus says in Luke 4, I'm here to release the oppressed. Jesus doesn't lie. If you're feeling oppressed and you stay oppressed, it's not because Jesus can't fix it. It's because you're not willing to let him fix it. And then we get down to the greatest oppression that all of us share in common. That's called sin. We can't fix our own sin. (laughs) None of you can forgive your own sin. You, You need something outside of yourself to deal with that oppression. And I did too. We all needed to be released from our sin problem. And once again, who steps up to the plate? Jesus Christ. Gave us a solution for that problem as well. He took our sin to the cross. We were released from that oppression at our baptism. When we came in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ, we were washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You were released from your sin oppression. You remember that day? Wasn't that an awesome day? For some of you, that was 30 years ago. For some of you, that was perhaps three weeks ago, maybe a few days ago. For some of you, it may be coming. But the only way we can ever be released from our oppression of sin is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to do as we close out my lesson here. We're going to take the communion. We're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus has fixed us. He's fixed our sin problem, and he continues to fix it on a daily basis. We're continually washed in the blood of Jesus. And you know what communion simply is? We raise our cup and we say, thank you, Jesus, for releasing me from my oppression of sin. I couldn't do it on my own. Thank you for fixing me. Continue to fix me. We are, we are so blessed, brothers and sisters, to be saved, to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and say a prayer for our time of communion. God, uh, wow, we, uh, we confess to you that we are so lost without you. God, we know how messed up we are, but most of us, myself included, we probably aren't aware of so much other stuff that's messed up. But God, you fix it all. Father, the biggest thing you did for all of us is that you you sent Jesus to die for our sins, to take the punishment that we deserved. And God, you gave us an opportunity to be saved. And for those of us who took advantage of that opportunity, we simply want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. We are not worthy, God. We don't deserve it, but we rejoice in the fact that our sins are forgiven. Thank you for releasing us from that oppression of sin. Father, as we take the bread that represents the body of Jesus and the fruit of the vine that represents his blood, we just want to tell you how much we love you. 
how grateful we are for what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.